Welcome back to the COG Weekly Podcast, Season 4, Episode 7. Deep in Episode you? 7. Dude, where I know, you, right? Where am I? Like, I, I don't even know. I don't yeah. even... Paul, do you know where I am? No idea. <laughs> no, no clue. <laughs> if you guys listened to last episode, you'll know that I was moving, and now I have successfully moved. The cinder blocks in the background maybe don't do it justice of how quality the setup is, Yeah, but it is pretty nice. I like the scarves. If you're watching on YouTube, watching on Spotify, you know, wherever you watch the podcast, you'll see the scarves. If not, you can just envision it. Just a beautiful USMNT scarf followed by a beautiful Minnesota United scarf followed by a third beautiful Brighton Hove Albion scarf. Three of the best scarves you could have. I mean, in the footballing world. I think if so. If we're being honest. Yeah. I, we do. I have a couple there too. Oh, yeah. a couple. A couple. Just a handful. <laughs> I don't think we've ever addressed how many scarves you actually have in the background. Yeah, it's a bit of an issue. Are but, you going to, when you move, are you going to bring all of them? There's no. Um, no. Yeah. I might bring a couple, but yeah. probably What three do you think like the most you. important are? Uh, looking back there, I'd probably say that Minnesota one, um, the Southampton one, of course. Maybe the Southampton one when I went to the game. You see the Liverpool one Yeah, right there. yeah, yeah. So that's like the one I have for the USMNT, which is like USA versus Honduras, yeah. the coldest game. I have, you know, that. Like it, it marks yeah, the date. Exactly. So you have one of those for Liverpool-Southampton? For Liverpool-Southampton when that's I went. Sick. Probably just a handful, just like two or three. But yeah, no, that's, I have no that's idea quality. how I'm going to decorate it. Is uh is the Minnesota United scarf like old or something? Because I see it, the design at least oh, it looks a bit older. Yeah. That one is uh when we played Bournemouth. They're handing ah, yeah. so that was back in the NASL days. Yeah, only yeah. OGs of US soccer yeah, can remember the NASL. I was at that game. You were Paul. Yeah, well, before before game. we talk about that, let me just introduce Paul to everyone. If you don't know, yeah. Paul ran the Woolwich Worshippers podcast. Talked a bit of. A bit of footy, you know, regarding Arsenal and their squad last season. Enjoyed that. And now he's here to talk with us about Arsenal and all surrounding football related to Arsenal today. If you can see in the... Well, I don't know if you can see based on how we're going to crop it. I'm actually not sure. But, like, <laughs> I just realized they might not see your scarves, Mac. I don't yeah. know. We're going to have to find yeah, out. Probably, but probably in, in Paul's camera, if you're listening, I can just describe it to you. He has a beautiful image of, like, Arsenal's legends. What what even is that? Is that, like, yeah, he's moving the camera. Sick. There it is. Arsenal legends poster. I actually got it when I was in England one time. So, we've got Henri, of course. We've got Ian. Oh, yeah. Wright. We've got Freddie we've got Patrick Vieira, Tony Adams, Robert Perez, and Dennis Bergkamp. Wow. And then right next to it, okay, that's getting a bit fuzzy. But yeah, it's, it's getting a bit up there. <laughs> there's, there's an Invincibles thing where it's like it lists all the players and then like a bunch of t- t- statistics about the season. Nice. Paul's going to be like five miles down the road. We have yeah. the stadium. If you can see it, I don't know. Maybe yeah. show you the window. If, if you, it's if getting you a bit fuzzy me, out there. Really adjust my, I can really adjust my camera and then you can see <laughs> my inward stadium sign above my bed. <laughs> <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever been to the Emirates? I mean, being such a diehard Arsenal fan? I, I have. I went, um, I did the regular stadium tour when I was there. And then I also went to a game that was Arsenal at home to Man City back in the day. Sick. That's the, so cool. Yeah, it, I did the stadium too. tour. Yeah. You, Mac, you did the stadium I, tour I, of Emirates? I did. No it, chance. Very. Yeah, I did this spring 
that's why I have the Smith Row jer- jersey. But mm-hmm. I really like the stadium. Actually, mm-hmm. I was I was surprised. I it it like seems smaller than it is. Cause like, what is it? Is it how? Like, uh, what's the capacity? I think it's like know? sixty-two thousand. I think yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the biggest in the prem. Like when you look on the outside, it it's not huge. But when you're like on, so we go through the tunnel, and then you're like where yeah. the coaches and stuff stand, and that's when you really like feel. You're like, oh, this is a lot of a lot of seats no, but there. you know what's I, crazy? You go on the stadium tour and you walk out, and you're like, holy, like look at all these seats. Now but imagine being yeah. one of the players, bro. <laughs> yeah. You walk out of that tunnel, you just see 60,000 people. It's That's insane. crazy. That's if, so mad. Or if you're a city fan, you walk out and you see about 10,000 people. Yeah. Well, no. of course, right, it, right, that's right, a whole other right. topic of discussion. The quality right, of city supporters and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. is a whole other topic of discussion. I don't really want to aggravate I'm, any Man City our, fans. Our, our mate Patrick listening. might not be too happy about that joke. No, True, no. Yeah, yeah. There are some City fans that also follow the podcast that might not be too happy about that comment. If you're a City fan and you're listening, don't take it personally. It's something that Paul said. We didn't say it. You know, when Paul yeah. comes on, we can't control him. He, he's, he's got a mouth of his own. He can do whatever he wants. This is classic his place Arsenal. to rent. Yeah. yeah. Classic Arsenal fan. Classic. Classic. Yeah, they make classic. the good TikToks though, right? They do. They do. <laughs> they make the good TikToks. Well, Paul, we, we introduced you. Now people know you're an Arsenal fan. They probably don't know the extent to which you are an Arsenal fan. I don't think anyone can really get that without knowing you personally. You have quite a connection to the club. If you watch an Arsenal game with Paul, you will fully understand how much Paul cares about that club. But just so that people can get a little bit more perspective, why did you start liking Arsenal? Why did you start following them? Uh, Just so that people can sort of hear... You know, because they know why me and Max sort of follow our respective clubs, but we have a much different story because they're lower down in the tables. So it's a it's a funny story, actually. So my dad supports Man United. Um, one time when I was young, I was like probably like, like four or five or something like that. My mom wanted to give my dad like a little soccer ball, like just as like an anniversary gift or something. But she accidentally got an Arsenal ball. So I was like, no. oh, it's accidentally. Yeah, accidentally. So you became an Arsenal fan because of an accident. Pretty much, yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> I think at that, around that time when I started supporting Arsenal, uh, my dad bought me bought me one or two Man United kits just try, just to try just to, to yeah try, try to try to convert me, but I wasn't having any of that. Paul can't nice. be converted once nice. you once you go Arsenal, you can't go back. It's not yeah, possible. Nice. Not possible. Well, it's interesting because most people who are around our age, maybe a little bit older, but sometimes also younger, say that they love Arsenal because of the whole Invincible era, right? That's what most people say. They're like, oh, I, I loved watching that team. But no, not for you. <laughs> Accidental ball turns you into an Arsenal yeah. fan. <laughs> I mean, it's class. I love it. I love it. I mean, it, everyone's got their own story. And whatever mm-hmm. draws you to a club is fine, as long as you're I, able yeah. to be a diehard supporter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would rather be a Arsenal fan at the moment than a Man U fan, although both clubs 100%. have both <laughs> both clubs have maybe not been great in the past couple of years. But you know, true. Well, I think at- we're I think we're going in the right direction finally. Yeah. There's a few there were a few years where there wasn't so much light at the end of the tunnel, but no. like even even like even like a year ago or so, like even if it wasn't the brightest days for Arsenal, you could see that there was a small glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel and that like 
even if we have our bad times and we have our bad results, we're still going an upward trajectory. It's kind of like you go down a little bit and you've got your, your troughs and then troughs troughs. and then, then your, then your peak is higher than your trough. So eventually you're still going in the right direction. Denison is teaching you well. Denison oh, is I literally, I literally well. used that analogy from my macro one-on-one class. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. So well, I, I could understand that. Oh yeah. I, yeah. you, you displayed it very well. You, yeah. <laughs> the, the explanation was good. So what you're essentially saying, right, is when Arsenal began doing business with Brighton Hove Albion football club, you guys started looking better. Mm-hmm. 100%. So, I mean, I think that all teams should take note of that barring Chelsea and Man City because I'm not too happy with the the work that they've done with the club recently yeah. or the work they've attempted to do with the club with Cucurella leaving. I'm not a huge fan of that personally, <laughs> but other clubs take note. When you do work with Brighton, you become better. We produce the best, the well, literal best. Southampton, I think. Well, I, I feel like... A, more yeah. of a shout there. So Maybe. you do have... Southampton has a shout, right? But here's yeah. what I say. Do you prefer to be a an Arsenal fan right now or a Southampton fan right now? Because oh, I feel Arsenal. like la- last I checked, <laughs> it was a pretty tough result this weekend. 100% an Arsenal fan. Now that, <laughs> I mean, we just lost to Tottenham, so I have to be an Arsenal fan now. No, you do. I was, I was really excited when I saw Southampton got the opening goal today. I mean, oh, I, was as, I was as well. I have him in my fantasy team. Do you yeah. He's a good good pick for fantasy. Dude, he is. And I, well, I saw does. Todd Cantwell put him in. And so I was like, well, yeah, I didn't put Todd in the swag 11. So I have to respect <laughs> Todd in some other yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I went with JWP instead of, I think the other options for that price were, was it, it was Martinelli. And Martinelli mm. also scored. So I would have gotten the same price well, regardless. I do have to give a shout out to Romeo Lavia. 18-year-old midfielder, started, played the whole game, best player on the pitch by far. Well, so. yeah, I mean... It, oh, the, better the than old, any of the Tottenham players either. Well, maybe the score line doesn't maybe reflect that. No, but he played midfield. and Yeah, you know, he was he was pulling the strings. I think he had like a 93% pass success rate, and he like, he's a very good player. Very good what, player. Would it's it compare to Pedri? Thing. Like Pedri when he was in the Ped, Euros? For sure, Pedri. Yeah. yeah, very safe so you, passes, but he makes every single pass and then will dribble around a guy. He's dictating very, the tempo. He is. I mean, that's ab- absolute class. 100%. Absolute class. Yeah. I did speak on the Swag 11 a little bit. Paul, you know what the Swag 11 is, right? Of course. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard not to when you're <laughs> a Cog Weekly fan. It's really hard not to know what the Swag 11 is. But we did the Swag 11 for last episode. If you didn't watch it, go check that out. It's one of our favorite episodes to do. We did just sort of finish the polls for yes. the for the swag 11 we did them last night and they're sort of just finishing up but we have a really good general sense for you know how each one is panning out i don't think they're gonna like sway too much i'm pulling them up right now just so that i can talk about them on here so that everyone knows you will see there's a graphic that probably will have gone out by the time this went up uh saying the final swag 11 but if you don't know um, just like a couple ones that I thought were interesting that we talked about last time. And I also want to know Paul's take on this, just sort of a like extension to the Swag 11. Kimpembe lost on a landslide to Thiago Silva. I mean, Thiago Silva really? had 70% over Kimpembe, which wow. I thought was crazy. Like absolutely insane. Don't you feel wow. like Kimpembe is quite the saucy player? Yeah, he was on our thumbnail. I, yeah. I would have thought. 
That's what I'm saying. I voted for Thiago Silva. You yeah. did, Paul. I okay, did so I now I need to know why. Because the people obviously agree with you. Yeah. Well, just think about it. Just think about it. you go to you go to Tiago Silva's house. Like, <laughs> well, I can't think about that because I've never been there. Yeah, but like just just imagine it. Like yeah, but imagine. Just, imagine, imagine this goes for both. I can just imagine Tiago Silva like inviting you in, dressed dressed in a nice a nice suit, and just yeah. cooks you. Just cooks you this perfect <laughs> Brazilian steak. So you want to be on a date with Tiago Silva? Paul wants to go on a date with Tiago Silva. Confirmed. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't turn down the opportunity. Oh, I wouldn't either. I don't I, think, I don't think any of us would. If yeah. we're being honest, I reckon. I reckon Tiago Silva makes the best steak in the Premier League. Oh, there is really? a good shout, dude! Brazilian steak is so yeah, good. Ever ever had picanha? No, wait. No, so my roommate's Brazilian. He was talking about picanha. Yeah. What is it? It's a great slice of steak. It is. Like it's like the prime sirloin. Okay. Mm. Have you ever been to Fogo de Chao? Of course, I go there all the time. (laughs) All the time. (laughs) Where are you getting the funds to go to Fogo de Chao all the time? I've probably gone like I've probably gone like five times. That's oh, all I mean, the time. Oh, <laughs> it's one of my day. favorite places. You've got to go there for dinner though, because when you go for lunch, they always overcook the meat. So oh, they they switch the, like the, the cooking times. <laughs> I love that. I love that. They switch the cooking times. That's class. That nice. is class. I mean, dude, Brazilian steak is so good. Brazilian steakhouses oh, are so good. Um, I have a friend who you're back home who cooks Brazilian steak for me and my family. Sometimes he comes over and, and, you know, helps us with dinner and makes it. And he'll put, it's like special Brazilian salt. And then he'll put pineapple on top or under it. And then you serve it like with the pineapple, you eat it with the pineapple. Dude, it's so good. It's crazy. Like the best steak I've ever had in my life. Hmm. I, I mean, I, I don't know how else to describe it. It's, it's insane. It's the best. Paul, I'm with you though. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's was- class. I was at a nice steak place in when I was in Switzerland. Apparently, Lugano, which was where I was staying, apparently oh. had the 92nd ranked steakhouse in the world. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And you went there? I did go there. And it was good. It was good. Did it yeah. taste like a 92nd ranked in the world steak? I think I think my problem, I, I did go for a picanha there, but I shouldn't have because I was in Switzerland. I should have gone for an Italian steak instead. Oh. So you go for the but Brazilian still, steak regardless. What? You go for the Brazilian steaks regardless. Uh, Brazilian steak is definitely a go-to. But Mm, if I was to go back to Europe, I'd definitely have like a European steak. What's the difference? What's the difference? For the people listening and for me, I have no idea. It's just like Brazilian, like, would you trust a... It, would you trust an Italian person to cook a Brazilian steak or an Italian steak more? You know what I mean? Mm. Well, yeah. No, what's the difference between the Brazilian and Italian steak? Do you know? Like, is it a cut oh, of goodness. meat or I've, something? I've, I've no idea. It's just like the way they do it. <laughs> That's crazy. There's That's probably some insane. minor like. There's, there's got thing. to be. There's something. Yeah. There's. There's. There's always those those steak guys who know like every different cut of the steak. Like yeah. Like they you know where, like every, every piece of meat comes like on the cow. Yeah, bro. Those people are crazy, but they make really, really good food. So I, I'm not yeah, complaining. Yeah. Uh, the other one that I want to touch on from the yeah. the Swag Eleven is the manager. And so I, I was able to put a picture up for these polls, right? So it seems seems like this the manager used would be the picture. I, I did. I, I used yeah. the picture, and I don't know. Maybe I mugged off Arteta a little bit with the picture I chose. <laughs> I, maybe not. I, I, he's in his like all black fit. 
which is sort of trademark Arteta, so I thought I could go with it. Yeah. Um, but Arteta won 73-27. Wow. And that is crazy, considering Sinisa had, was wearing the, the off-white Jordans, and you know he had the full I, suit I think, on. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised that the people, the people don't understand. They I mean, don't. that's a class fit. Did you see the fit, Paul? I did. I'm, I also picked Arteta for this one. Well, yeah, um, well, but obviously okay. this is yeah. bias. <laughs> partially, partially due to the age, though. Like mm. that's definitely that's definitely going into it. Arteta's a young manager. We do- um, Yeah, we talked about that. Also, yeah. he's he, he he completely rocks the turtleneck. He does. He's good he with does. the turtleneck. But like, I, I don't know how you can say no to the off-white well, Jordans, but, man. I'm a that's crazy. Fan. I'm a turtleneck fan myself, okay. so I kind of I kind of have to lean that way. Even though yeah. he, pulls, he pulls it off like ten times better than I do. Yeah, you had a lot of bias going into that vote. I feel like, but yeah, maybe, maybe yeah, that that one's a tough one. Yeah. That's a struggle. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much bias you're gonna have talking about Arteta in general. I like we want to talk to you about mm-hmm. how you feel about Arteta like this season. You know, f- coming from when he first signed with mm-hmm. Arsenal, being the manager, all the way to what he's done now, and then also future plans. Like, how do you feel like he's going trajectory wise? In, in what he's supposed to be doing with the club versus what he is doing. I think you look at where we were when he took over. Um, when Unai Emery sacked, we were a sinking ship sitting in 15th. Um, and look at us now. We're challenging for the top four and probably going to be one of the favorites for the Europa League too. So it's it's night and day the difference. And you just have to hear what some of the players say about Arteta. Um, just look at the players he's brought in, how, how much they've improved us. Like, our starting 11 now is almost entirely Arteta players. And if you compare that to the starting 11 we had um, against Frankfurt, I believe was Unai Emery's last game. It's completely night and day. Um, like, who would you say are Arsenal's best players currently? Probably Bukayo Saka. Saka. Odegaard. Odegaard. Um, I mean, Gabriel Jesus Gabri- is probably Gabriel, who you have to include. Sure, Jesus. So yeah. we've got Saka developed under Mikel Arteta. Odegaard, Mikel Arteta signing, and even even a signing that when we made it permanent, there were some people who weren't completely sure about it. Um, but he he got that one right clearly. Club yeah. captain now too. Mm-hmm. Gabriel, Mikel Arteta signing. Jesus, who looks like he's coming good, Mikel Arteta signing. So many of these players that are improving Arsenal are Mikel Arteta signings. Yeah, it's true. I mean, he's he's quality. Do you think that they're could be anything improved coaching like, with wise, what he's doing yeah. i think if we keep going on the trajectory we are right now like eventually we'll get to the point where we have to be the expectation will be that we're competing for trophies and if it's if it's arteta versus klopp or versus pep for a premier league title like who's who's gonna win that so like mm. One or two things need to happen at that point. Either Arteta needs to improve massively as a manager to compete with those two, or we just need to make a step up from Arteta at that point. But that that point hasn't happened yet. So I think we just keep keep trusting the process, see yeah. where it ends up. And then when it when it's the time to where we need somebody else, then just go get somebody else. Yeah. I, I personally I'm a fan of his now. Like you said, um, a year ago, even I was like, I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure. Um, but I think his coaching style and like tactically, it's been more clear this season and the end of last season, what he's trying to do. 
Um, you have like very so somewhat pep style, I'd say, with the fast build-up play um, once you get into the attacking third. And then I think, like we said, Odegaard, I think, is your most important player just because I we just saw from the Crystal Palace game, him playing off of Jesus was like a very, very threatening attack um, because last season they didn't really have... Lacazette wasn't a great hold-up player, I don't think, and Jesus can really do everything he came short for the ball but he can also he has the pace and the strength to play on his own um and yeah i i really like what arteta is doing tactically i think you guys are a fun team to watch and i think definitely stick with him but what are what are your expectations for like what's the highest position you think you're going to finish and what's the lowest position you think you would finish this season so realistically we're looking our goal is to finish top four 100 percent um, so do I think it's realistic that we could finish above Spurs and Chelsea? I think we could hundred percent. Will mm-hmm. we? I'm not sure, but I don't think it's realistic for us to finish any higher than that. We're not going to finish above Liverpool or city. So I think yeah. that means the, the highest place we could finish is third. I think the lowest we can as easily as we could finish above Chelsea and Spurs, we could also very easily finish below mm-hmm. them. I also think there's a possibility that Manchester United come good under Ten Hag. I would say there's less of a chance than anything else, but I still think there is a possibility. So I think lowest could be sixth, but that that wouldn't That's be your lowest. Yeah, I don't. I don't see us. I don't see us finishing below West Ham or Newcastle. Not at, not at this time. Maybe Newcastle in about two years, but not at this not at this current time though. That's crazy that you think sixth place is the lowest that you guys could finish. Cause I still feel like there's room for you guys to possibly slip up in certain areas. Like, yes, you've strengthened the squad really well. Yes. I believe in what Arteta's doing, et cetera, et cetera. But I still feel like there's a possibility that you guys can slip. Do you actually feel like that is completely eliminated? Cause I only think there's maybe two or three teams that I think have a completely solidified chance of not slipping up later in the season, just because of the consistency that they've showed throughout the year. Well, with the Premier League, like anything can happen, like Leicester, um, things like that. So never say never, I suppose, but it's just like what I think is realistically in the realm of possibility. I just, I think our, our squad is too strong at this point to finish below the likes of Newcastle and West Ham, who are teams that are, in transition, I suppose, with Newcastle and West Ham don't really – This is, I suppose this is kind of a weakness of Arsenal, especially last season, but don't really have the squad depth to compete in two competitions. Um, but one one signing that I think is absolutely crucial for that, Alexander Zinchenko, yep. because mm-hmm. last season, um, the last few games of the season, we had two key players missing. We had – Kieran Tierney missing, and we had Thomas Partey missing. I think, I think it's a fair assumption to say that if we had those two players fit, we would have picked up three, six more points maybe, and would have finished top four. That's that's not an excuse to say like that's why we did, but like it's something that we knew was a weakness, and we've gone and addressed now. Zinchenko can play in both of those positions. So when Kieran Tierney is injured now, we have him who can fill in there, and we don't have to depend on Nuno Tavares with, with all due respect. And then, then in the midfield, <laughs> he, too, like, yeah, yeah, when yeah. Thomas Partey is injured, Zinchenko can just slot in there. Yeah. I, not, yeah. What, 
when I think about it, it's actually a crazy good signing. I never, I don't think I ever deeped how effective Zinchenko can be as a squad player, regardless of if he starts or not, because you can use him or utilize him in so many different areas on the field that it eliminates the possibility of so many people getting injured and not having a replacement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, mean, I also crazy. think from what I've heard is he's a great character to have in the dressing room. He's not the type to, to moan or anything. If he's, if he's sitting behind Kieran Tierney or Thomas Partey. Um, and furthermore, I think you can, you can slide Jesus into, into this too. Like we've got, we've got two players from a team who have won four Premier League titles in the past five years. Surely that has to have an impact in the dressing room too. Like they're, mm. they're used to winning. Yeah. yeah, surely, surely that mindset will will fall into other players too. Yeah, I mean, you you don't have a locker room, or you didn't before, full of winners. I'd say, like you said, um, yeah. But now you're adding these two players that um, are used to winning maybe thirty four games out of a thirty eight game season every year, and that's just it has to help mindset wise. Like you can probably see it in training. I'm sure they they just hold themselves to a higher level. Um, I personally like Zinchenko at midfield more than wingback because I think he has the passing ability more than a lot of your midfielders and a lot of other midfielders in the prem, but I don't think pace wise, like he's going to be an explosive wingback where I think maybe his passing and just soccer IQ in general, um, can show more in that midfield. And we see it with Ukraine when he plays them with them, he plays as an eight, um, and he's really effective. So do you think he's probably going to play more in the midfield, or could, didn't he play like around both positions against Palace? I feel like he moved around a bit. He, he played as a left back against Palace, but like how we play a lot of the time is we generally have the back four. Of course, usually, usually it's Tomiyasu at right back, but it was Ben White yeah. yesterday. Um, and what will happen is the left back, whether that's Zinchenko or usually Tierney, will push up a lot because Tierney is excellent going forward. Mm-hmm. And then he'll just slide into basically a back three because Tomiyasu is a more defensive fullback. So Zinchenko, I think we'll do a lot of that too, because at city, he would help Hep likes them to play. He likes his, he likes his fullbacks to step into the midfield and get another, another player in there. So I definitely see that's something that Arteta will adapt at Arsenal. Cause that is something you saw a couple of times. Like when, when Ainsley Maitland Niles would play, he would do that because yeah. he can play as a midfielder. So I think Zinchenko will do that too. Yeah, 100%. I mean, he's just one of the five or so players that you guys signed over the window that I feel like could have a pretty good impact in your team. I know you're talking about how he specifically is going to be so effective because of his ability to play multiple positions and increase that squad depth. But I mean, you guys also signed Marquinhos from Sao Paulo, Matt Turner, everyone's favorite in America from the New England Revolution. You signed Fabio Vieira from Porto, Gabriel Jesus, who you know everyone who plays FPL knows about right now and probably has in their team, and then also, like we were talking about, Zinchenko. So we know how you feel about Zinchenko, but how do you feel about Arsenal's overall window? Because this is another way that you can assess how Arteta's doing with the team, right? Last year, a lot of people had questions with the $50 million price tag that Ben White had and, and how you guys brought him in. And I think overall, Ben White proved people that or proved to people that he he could live up to those expectations. But then again, this year, people were concerned about if he was going to play and if other people were going to take his position and if certain money was going into areas that they didn't need. So, how do you feel about that window for for Arteta as a manager? So let's do it. Let's do it player by player. So first, the goalkeeper Matt Turner. 
mostly just a backup. I think we we've all watched plenty of Matt Turner as an American. We th- we yeah. know that he's he's a solid goalkeeper, maybe a bit of a jump to to Arsenal, but I don't think that's that's not something we have to be worried about it at all. Oh, yeah. Um then to Marquinhos, he's just a just a young player. I don't I don't expect him playing much this season. Maybe we'll go out on loan, maybe be in the under 23s. But then Fabio Vieira, this is what I'm interested about because I'll be I'll be lying if I said I, I watched Porto every week. Um but thirty one point five mil on the price tag though is pretty yeah, hefty. It's it's an expensive signing, but like it's it's not my money, so I'm I'm not really bothered about the price tag. Um, <laughs> There's no uh, way that you're saying that is representing it like Arsenal as your club. You know, you're you're still an Arsenal fan. I feel like you'd yeah, but be like, conscious of I your care, budget. I care about I care about who comes in, not not the price tag for it. Like if we spend if we were to spend a hundred million pounds on Lewis Dunk and then sign nobody else, then I wouldn't be happy about that. But it's like it's not the price tag attached to it that matters to me. It's it's the player who comes in. Does but Pepe I would argue bother that, you then? Not, not really, because like no. thirty-five million in today in today's market, though, like yeah, that really yeah. that much. But Pepe I mean, that, was like eighty. Yeah, yeah. Pepe, Pepe, Pepe bothers me that one because we're yeah. not going to get much much money back on him at all. Exactly, but, but also you could argue, right? Even for Fabio Vieira, could you split that money and get two players that are similar, if not equal in quality, for half the price, or or maybe some people from from lesser known leagues or areas that might have more potential because you do have to see, you know, it is the amount of money that you're putting on players going to be effective, right? Ben White was sold for 50 million from Brighton. And I feel like that was a good deal for us because we signed Ben White from league one from, from Portsmouth, I believe. And we feel that we can, as a club, I, sh- I shouldn't necessarily say we, cause I'm not going to be doing the signings, but as a club, we feel that like the club can, can sustain a, a process to to get more players in like that, right? But if you can't keep like sustaining a process to get more players in like that, then you're going to struggle. And when you're putting a lot of money on someone that you don't know how he's going to turn out, you know, it, it is questionable. Well, you can say the same thing about about Aaron Ramsdale last season and Ben White. They both both were a lot of money, and people were like, "Who is this guy really worth it?" But no, they they both proved Arteta to be right. So I don't think. I have any reason really not to trust Arteta on this signing either. Mm-hmm. Okay, oh, yeah, I mean, respect. Good, good numbers in, in Liga Nos last season. I think he had like, what, like 12 assists or something like that. So you Is, would rate it a good yeah. window? I would so far, yes. There's still a couple areas I think we need to improve. What would that um, be? Number one, definitely another midfield player. Um, mm-hmm. Right now in that area, in terms of natural midfield players, We've got Partey, Xhaka, Elneny, and Lukanga. If you're consu- if you're considering Sinchenko a, a natural midfielder, we've got him too, but he's more of a rotation player. So mm. the last two, like, I'm not sure they're what we need at this level. Um, if we want to go forward, maybe maybe as third or fourth choice, but I think they're I think they're too high up in the pecking order right now. And to be honest, to be honest. I am a I am a Granite Xhaka fan, but I think as a club, we we can do better than Granite Xhaka. Like, there's still like undisciplined moments within him. Like we saw it yesterday. He got he got booked for diving. Yeah, so yeah. It didn't yeah, yeah. it didn't really end up be, meaning anything. But like, 
he he walked a tightrope all game. Like yeah, exactly. And Brandon Shaka easily can get another yellow card at any any point in time. So I think that's an area that we can improve upon. No, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. I would agree. There's, yeah, you, you do still have some areas, but when I when I really think about it, Arteta's done a good job with the resources that he's been given. I mean, the only questionable one for me was, you know, the one that we talked about, 31.5 mil is a lot for Fabio Vieira when you don't know so much about him. But again, the the coaching staff, the scouts, they know things differently than we do. They've been watching him. Like you said, you don't watch Liga Nos, and I can't say that I religiously watch Liga Nos either. So it's it's hard to to really understand why they might have done something like that. But then again, Darwin Nunez, someone that I don't think any of us really watched very many games of mm. last year, comes in and he's already scored a goal for Liverpool. So and by, by the time that this episode comes out, well, I suppose he won't score more by the time this episode comes out. But by the time you're no, listening, yeah. he might have scored again. So, um, yeah, I mean... It, I, we just never know. It's it's all a mystery, but I think overall it was a good window. One thing that I wanted to ask that you sort of talked about earlier was how Unai Emery left the club in 15th place and then Arteta came in. Do you feel like Unai Emery failed at his job or do you think he came into a club that was already failing and just couldn't turn it around because of what he was given and what he started with? I, th- I think it was both. Like, it's it's no secret that Arsenal was an absolute mess under Unai Emery with every every way imaginable from top to bottom. He had an average squad, but at the same time, it's not it's not the owner who it's not like Stan Kroenke called up Unai Emery and was like, "Hey, I think you should play Lucas Torreira in a ten today." Like some of yeah. those like tact, tactically questionable decisions are just ridiculous. And yeah, I I can go on and on about about so many games. There's the the Chelsea one in the Europa the League trauma League. just continues to haunt yeah. you, <laughs> and we, as a club under Unai Emery, we reach we reached the lowest we'd I'd ever seen us. At. Yeah, so you think it was lower than the end of Vanger's time? Uh, well, we were we were sat in fifteenth. Yeah, but I it's think that 15th. it's hard to evaluate based on the place that you're in, right? I mean, it's it's a decent way of showing how you've done throughout the season. But I also think there's a lot more components that go into where your club stands at the moment. Cause you might've just had a really bad run of form, but you might have a good squad overall, or you might've built the team well, or you might be seeing promising, promising things in your build-up play or your attack, you know, especially with Brighton. I've noticed that more evidently, sometimes we lose games or we go on losing streaks, but I'm not mad because I see a general progression in the team, right? I, I think that I see, Something is improving. Something is getting better. Certain areas are being ticked. And and slowly we're improving to the point where now, four years after we've been promoted, I can say pretty confidently we're going to stay in the Premier League. So, But throughout those four years, we've had times when we've looked awful, like really, really bad. So I don't think you can just say it based on the 15, but I do think it's a decent indicator. But do you feel like other things outside of just the place were, were going really poorly? Um, well, first of all, we were sad in 15th in November. So it's not like it's not like we just had a couple bad games. It's like it was it was a consistent run of form. We were a sinking ship. But apart from that, like it was just absolute dross. The performances completely ridiculous i remember one game it was like third or fourth game of the season once that that season we were in 15th 
we were we were tuning up against Watford in like 30 minutes. Aubameyang scored twice. And then we capitulated and Watford completely dominated us for about, about 60 minutes of the game. And they ended up having like like 20, 20 shots against us. Like <laughs> 20 shots against a Watford team. Like that's, yeah. that's just... Was that's Troy just, Deeney yeah. playing? You no can't idea. count him out. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the biggest thing from the... Emery Unai Emery to the Arteta is like man management because mm-hmm. especially like honestly just look at Granite Xhaka like with Emery uh Unai Emery he was like wasn't that when he walked off the field and like threw his captain armband and was, was like like he went from that to now being a starter and like mm-hmm. all the fans I think most of the fans respect him at this point I'm not sure mm-hmm. yeah um but that's the vibe I'm getting and I think he's somehow won his way back from doing that. Like, I don't know how many players can do that. Um, but we saw like Aubameyang lose his captaincy under Arteta because he was like, probably with Unai Emery, he could get away with a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And Arteta comes in and then was like, all right, I'm not putting up with this, takes away his captaincy and then gets him out of the club. I think uh, Arteta is probably underrated for that part of his game, just like building the culture. And I think it shows because... I don't know many other teams in the Premier League who are ex- as exciting as your team right now. I think it's also because you're one of the youngest squads in the Prem too, but you're also good at that point too. Like it's hard to balance that where it's like a lot of young players, but at the same time you're getting results, which I think Arteta started to balance out. And I think this season will be really interesting because last season you were the youngest team in the Premier League and it kind of showed at some points because you're pretty mm-hmm. inconsistent, but now I think it's really time to show if they all matured from that one year and now they can push on to actually compete, not just be like, oh, it's it's an exciting team, mm-hmm. but we're finishing in Europa League, you know? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, one, thing, one thing you mentioned was about the culture. I think that is, I think that's absolutely crucial. That might even be the biggest thing that Arteta's brought. Um, you look at the type, the profile of player we signed. They're all all under 25 players. As opposed to when we were under Unai Emery, we were signing the likes of David Luiz. <laughs> Socrates, we're, we're, Socrates. Socrates, yeah. <laughs> players players like that. Like, like washed up players. Nah, yeah. you can't players. say Socrates is washed up. Socrates that guy's a beast at Dortmund. <laughs> he, he, had a, he actually had a decent, a decent like first six months at Arsenal. Then from then on was yeah. just... I can see the trauma in your face as you start talking about the <laughs> yeah, time when Unai Emery was managing. Like you say, Socrates, and your eyes like slowly lower down your face. <laughs> we, we we haven't even mentioned Mustafi yet, <laughs> <laughs> bro. I remember the days when you used to text me, and you would be like, "I will pay someone to allow me to drive Mustafi." All the way over to Italy. Like, I will ship my car to London, drive him to Italy, leave him there, drive back, and fly back. I, you said, I will pay someone to be able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I remember we, we were playing we were playing for Valencia in the Europa League semifinals, who we signed Mustafi from. And we were like, leave him there. Lock, yeah. lock, up, the, lock, <laughs> him, lock up the team bus. Send, send a message to Valencia that says, we don't want a refund or anything. Just, 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 just get rid of him, please. Take him. Leave him there. Lock the team bus. No <laughs> refund. 
Scadron, <laughs> if you're listening, no hard feelings. Apologies. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a top he's a top bloke, but he's a top not, G. Not 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 good enough to, not good enough to play for Arsenal, unfortunately. Well, uh, you know, at, at some point he was, yeah. Yeah. A while yeah, back. But for for the first six months, we, we thought we'd signed like the the reincarnation of Franz Beckenbauer. Then after that, not, not anymore. <laughs> no, not, not <laughs> do, do, we'll just that. say not anymore. Yeah. yeah. Do you do you remember that? Like the first six months, I didn't. No, know, I remember. He and Kishanli, he had they had like they had like the best like center right pairing in the prime at that point. Yeah, he was like very good. For he was immense. Well, Lauren Kishanli was a beast. Lauren Kishanli was a very good defender. He was very good. I mean, yeah. for until Arsenal fans until like, oh, until he like until he like tore his Achilles and then was just yeah. Is that why he slowly declined? Well, he was he was declining anyways, but at that point, like, didn't sorry, he? mate, you probably 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 should, probably should move on from the top level. Didn't him and like Per Mertesacker play until they were like thirty nine? Maybe they not were, that old, dude. They were really <laughs> old though. No, I remember, I, I remember they were old. You you remember Claude from Arsenal fan TV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, rest in peace, Claude. First of all, but yeah. I remember we one have to time, we have to say it. Respect. One time after after uh, Kishani was playing in that one season, the season under Emery, uh, he, in his like post match interview, he said if Kishani was a horse, he would have been put down. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I can't. Wow. I can't. Wow. I can't. Wow. Paul, that's on the internet forever. That, that's on the internet. Arsenal forever. fan TV had some crazy. Dude, I mean, no. That was that, the most that, entertaining time of Arsenal fan TV, but yeah. it's also just because you guys were just so. Arsenal, bad. Arsenal fan TV's past its prime now. Yeah, Paul, do you is. think you could have been on Arsenal fan TV if you were older during that time? 100%. You think so? I think I think I'm perfect for Arsenal fan TV. <laughs> Why don't you just like start up an Arsenal fan TV USA? I was well, actually I stand correct. I suppose it's harder to do when your team's actually playing well. Yeah, yeah it is. Like or they it's, thrive it's to start up. Like it's usually like like they what they what would happen was like you get your big break through like a massive rant or something. But like once you're yeah. like once you're like big, like people people watch like. The Arsenal fan TV videos all the time now, whether they whether they win or lose. Yeah, exactly. yeah, but I feel like, like it's they don't go as viral, don't you? It's think? just like it's just like the big the big moments. Like if your if your team loses against Spurs or wins against Spurs, like it's gonna be like you're gonna get a lot of hits then. Yeah, true. No, that that game is big, bro. My dad is going to the North London Derby. Yeah, actually, yeah. So the the Vikings go and play in London this year. I don't remember who they're playing against, but he will be in London when the NLD is happening. I think it's the first time around, not the second. Is that, that might are, be are wrong. We, is it at the Emirates or is that at the it, It's at the Emirates. He's actually already been to the Emirates, but he's going again for the NLD because it's just different, bro. Yeah. Do they sell crazy. like a half, half and half? Like, how do they do it? I, I've, I, like for the scarves? No, 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 for uh, for seats, right? Because no, it's just the away end. It's just the regular, like there's just the away end. The Spurs fans have to go there. Okay, because like, well, if people are just so close, you'd think so many Spurs fans would want to go. Yeah, for sure. So you think those tickets are harder to get? A hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, so, they'll they'll do everything to make sure it's mostly Arsenal, and only the Spurs fans are in the away section. Because then, like, it's it's home, you know, home field advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, if I can find a ticket to that game 
and and be in the home section, which is like eighty percent of the field or eighty percent of the stands. Why can't a Tottenham fan do that and just go and root for Tottenham? Well, they they can, but they have to be undercover. Like, yeah, I know when I like, was that's going, not going to go well for them. <laughs> when I was going to the when I was going to the Arsenal game, um, I was in like like the box tickets, and they said like we had like a dress code, like you you weren't allowed to wear like any like away colors at all really yeah uh-huh. so there couldn't be like a raid of people that just came in and spurs stuff and just like suddenly the emirates turns to like spurs stadium well, all the, like, well first of all if you and... if you if you rock up to, to the home section wearing a spurs kid in the north london derby you probably die you are you are, you are, a, you are a brave soul <laughs> yeah <laughs> that would be kind of crazy you you can try that, Leo. Yeah, let's, I can try that. I'll, I'll never I'll do the podcast again. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Let's see how that goes. Yeah, that turns out. Do Dude, it. Do, I, do it like. Do it. Brighton versus Millwall. Is that is that a rivalry? No. <laughs> no, I think it's uh. Well, we have obviously. Who's your Brighton? Oh, Crystal Palace. Palace, right? Crystal Palace. Yeah. Bournemouth, kind of. Southampton, kind of. And like I say those last two really lightly because it's just South Coast. It's not really yeah, it's not really a rivalry. No. Like yeah. ours is Portsmouth. Yeah. So. Yeah. We we don't have that rivalry with Portsmouth though. It's weird. Like it's South Coast, but then Crystal Palace is in the South Coast. I don't even know why we have a rivalry with Crystal Palace. Yeah, There's Crystal no Palace. Idea. Is in, it's that's in what I, that's why I was thinking yeah. you might have been rivals with Millwall too, because Palace are rivals with Millwall, I believe. Oh, yeah. are they? I think so. They're both, so do you, London. both London, yeah. The question yeah. that I have because I feel like an idiot sometimes when I'm like hyped up for the Brighton versus Palace game. <laughs> Do you think Palace fans care more about the Seagulls rivalry or the Millwall rivalry or whoever else they feel that they have a rivalry with? Because that's our biggest rivalry. But if that's not Palace's biggest rivalry, we look like idiots. Well, I heard that, like, I've heard people say um, who are Liverpool or Manchester United fans, they're like, oh, we hate liverpool more than we hate man city like i've heard that before where it's like yeah and you man you and liverpool hate each other more than like liverpool hates everton or man you hates man city it's just because they're in the same city but for some reason that's a ri- bigger rivalry well know? yeah it's like it's it's traditional rivalry yeah. versus what the media hypes up because the media is yeah. always just gonna hype up the manchester derby they're always gonna hype up the merseyside derby I mean, they're not always going to hive up the Seagulls versus the Palace Derby, but you know yeah. what I mean? Like it happens on Derby Day still. So like yeah. the media sort of decides that versus the actual history of it. But yeah, I That's just true. feel like an idiot if like I'm all hyped <laughs> up for that game and then like Palace fans just don't even care. Yeah. You know what it's I mean? Like, like, it's like that with Chelsea too, isn't it? Like yeah. who would you say Chelsea's biggest rival was? No <laughs> idea. Would it be us or Spurs? Like Tottenham, yeah. yeah. Like whoever it is, like – both us and Spurs, the main game is the North London Derby. Yeah, yeah so it's like Chelsea cool. don't have. I mean, Chelsea have Fulham. It's kind of <laughs> their rival. That's like yeah, that's, but that's their like a bad one <laughs> because they they're like maybe two miles apart from each other. That's but like that's like that's like, that's like good me being rivals with Conor McGregor. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, it's a rivalry, but it's not like a comp like a competitive rivalry. You know? Yeah, it's just a historical one. But Paul, I feel like with that statement, you're kind of over exaggerating your ability to that's a, that's a bit do MMA. <laughs> I feel like you versus Conor McGregor will be a lot quicker of a match. <laughs> yeah, man. Then Fulham versus Chelsea. You don't, you don't I think just I have to put it out there. Conor McGregor. What? 
You don't think I last 90 minutes against Conor McGregor? Absolutely <laughs> not. No. I think you last nine seconds and then nine get seconds? knocked out. I think less, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe like three seconds. Dude, <laughs> that would be an outrageous match. Conor, if you're watching, don't approach Paul because I'd be scared for his life. If, yeah. if Conor McGregor somehow sees this, then, then he can challenge me to a boxing match. That is outrageous, <laughs> wow. Paul. Well, that's yeah, well, crazy. He's he's never going to. And if if I have the opportunity to box someone like that, like would you? If you had the I opportunity be, to yes, box, if I had the opportunity to, like Why? yeah, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get destroyed. But like, it would be you'd it would be get, kind of sick to say, get... oh yeah, I got I got destroyed by Conor McGregor. Just the fact that you like <laughs> you got to share a ring with him. Nah, Paul. I don't think you understand. I think that's you would the feeling. Bef- yeah, before you, I would. Get, I don't think I don't like... think I would die. Dude, I'd no. be, I'd be, I'd, 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 I'd break, I'd break a nose, and I'd have a couple yeah. black eyes. But I, I, I suppose I'd be, I'd be lucky to get out of there without a concussion. But wow, he's risking the concussion. <laughs> he knows full nice. well that he's gonna nice, go in there yeah. and get one, but he's still doing. <laughs> no, it. I, I would mad. That's crazy, Paul. I mean, I think we just have to leave the Arsenal section at that. I get, I yeah, get that do. defines an Arsenal too. fan right there. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Would step into the ring with Conor McGregor and not be scared and willing no, I'd be, to get I'd, no, I'd, I'd be I'd be terrified. I'd be absolutely te- horrified. What's what's but I'd the still do gain? What's, what's the, the gain? gain? The, the pride. Like, can you imagine? Can you imagine me walking around the Denison campus and I could be like, and people will be like, oh yeah, that's the kid that fought Conor McGregor. No, they wouldn't say that, Paul. Yes, They'd they say would. that's the kid who got killed by Conor McGregor. Yeah, is that is that is that not cool? No, I. Cause also you, you surely I'd get some money from that too. Well, yeah, you'd probably you'd be to all over that. social media. Yeah, yeah. the zone would be I'd all over like, that. I'd become like, I'd become like a like a semi influencer, like a C tier influencer. Like you could make your own AFTV if you fought Conor yeah. McGregor. You could probably make <laughs> yeah. your own. You'd have a big enough following. You would. <laughs> That's uh, mad. I would. I would love to be on AFTV. I think they they need some, they need some new signings. They do. You are, if you are it's gone, like SNL. They're slowly just depleting. Yeah. It's actually few, the same. <laughs> if you were if you were gone for for various reasons, which we don't need to get into. Yeah, yeah, we we can leave those yeah. sort of short. Maybe we, maybe we move Ty. on. Ty is still there. Yeah, yeah. Ty is still there. Ty and Robbie will always. Ty is, be there. Ty is like Ty is like Messi still at Barcelona until last season. <laughs> <laughs> like like Suarez has left. Neymar has left. Yeah, he's just yeah, he's like, the like, last like, one. Claude left. Yeah, he he is um, the last one, and he continues to be. We do have two more things to do, though. I want to get away from the lovely chat about Paul getting destroyed by Conor McGregor. <laughs> if it happens, it happens, and we'll all be watching it and rooting for Paul for a whole two seconds. But now we need to talk about the Hassani of the week. We have three nominations. We're going to be deciding it with Paul this week, like we did when we had Eli on the podcast. So the three nominations are Mitrovic, Musiala, Jamal Musiala from Bayern, and Rafa from Benfica. So three players that are generally pretty known. Jamal Musiala, someone who's sort of coming onto the scene right now with Bayern. And all three of them scored a brace. So Mitrovic scored his brace against Liverpool in a 2-2 draw. Jamal Musiala scored a brace uh, for Bayern in a 6-1 win versus Frankfurt. And Rafa with two goals uh, for Benfica versus Aruka in a 4-0 win. 
Paul or Mac, who wants to start with what they think about these these players in the Ooh. in the nominations, and then also who you give it to. Um, I'm thinking between I for me it's between Musiala and Mitrovic at this point. I think for two different reasons. Um, Musiala had two pretty simple goals, I'd say. Um, but he is a young player and a very good Bayern team, which is always impressive to break out into a very good team at that young of age and then go and score a brace um, against Frankfurt, which is a decent side. For Mitrovic, though, his first goal was he pretty much dunked on Trent and at the back post and headed it over him. Um, incredible from him. And, you know, it's good to see because obviously he scores like 50 goals in all comps last season. And then, you know, he hasn't had the best of luck in the Premier League. But I think this game has really shown he can do a lot for Fulham if he is, um, you know, on fire. And he did score a pen, so he had the brace. Uh, 2-2 draw versus Liverpool is incredible. I don't think anyone predicted that um, for Fulham. So I think he really helped out the team there, and I think significance-wise, Mitrovic definitely had more of an impact on his team. But, Paul, what do you think? Yeah, I completely agree with you, what you just said there, Mac. Um, Like, Mitrovic proved so many people wrong with that performance. Like when Fulham came back up, people were like, oh, they'll, they'll go down back again easily. Yeah. Mitrovic will get five goals this season. And then we just completely proved them wrong. I also think, look at it like, how many times are Byron going to stick six past a team in the Bundesliga this season? That's fair. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't want, I don't want to be the person. I don't want to be like the Prem merchant who's like, oh, Mitrovic did the Prem. <laughs> so yeah. we can, but it's like, Bayern Munich will score six goals multiple times this season. Fulham will be lucky to score twice again and get a draw <laughs> against Liverpool. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's fair. No, it's fair. No, against, yeah. against Liverpool and City, that is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, no, it's no, just no, a yeah. hot, such, it's, it's more difficult to do what Mitrovic did yeah. than what Musiala did. Yeah. Yeah, I, agree. I, I see it. I definitely see it. I think the main thing, which you touched on, Paul, is that Musiala did it in the 6-1 win. Regardless of the league you're in, it's sealed. You don't need those two goals. Mitrovic won the point for Fulham in a battle of a season. I mean, it's just started, but Fulham need to fight huge, to stay Yeah, up. that's a huge point, even if it's the first game this season. Exactly. So I think that means a lot more. I think we've all agreed that Rafa didn't quite make the cut for the top two. So I think I just have to give it to Mitrovic. And if I'm hearing from you guys correctly, I think you guys give it to Mitrovic as well. Moving yeah. to the rating, I think because, you know, we're, we're starting the Premier League season, I'm bumping it up a little bit. You know, the notches are going up slowly as we as we move into competition that matters a lot more. And I think it overall was a good performance. I mean, Paul, you compared Mitrovic's header uh, to the picture of, what was it? Spider? It was Venom. like, it was Venom dunking on Spider-Man. Dunking on Spider-Man. <laughs> I don't yeah. even know how you came up with that like comparison but you did and it, it works pretty well sick. it did yeah. work pretty well so um so i mean yeah he, he had two really good goals and i think that for me gives him a 7.9 and i know that's high i know it's high compared to last season i mean last season we reached the high eights and that was for unreal Karim benzema performances but still i think he deserves that 7.9 it wasn't quite like a champions league game winner like Anthony Olenga had last season. It wasn't quite like that, but I think it was really solid. And and I think that it, it doesn't get him into the eights, but it, it warrants that seven, nine for me. What about you, Mac? What do you think? 
seven nine was in my head as well before you even said it. I was like, wow, it's wavelengths. I was like, okay, this is a very impactful performance. Um, he drew the penalty as well for his second goal, so he really did it all for both goals. And I think I agree, not quite eight, um, especially first first week of club season. You know, I'm not sure if we can give him that yet. But I do think it is as close to an eight as you can get without giving one, and there's no other option than a seven point nine <laughs> mathematically. It, well, you could do seven point nine five. You could just throw yeah, in a, a little bit of an average it, yeah. there, but that could be Paul. Paul could yeah, do that. Paul, Paul if so, you don't know, by the way, you can choose any number that you want, one to ten. We're like, um, we're and then like comparing we him to like other like Hassani of the Week winners, right? Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, like exactly. real, realistically, like anybody who wins the Hassani of the Week. Like if you're like doing like player ratings for that team, like they'd all mm. be getting like ten out of tens. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not gonna give a ten out of ten then, even though I think he would would deserve it. Like if precisely, precisely. Ratings. So I'm thinking like compared to like Benzema last season, some of the yeah. Other and like so Darwin Darwin Nunez, just so you have a bit of reference from this season, got a, I believe a seven point five five. For okay. his his performance, or no, actually that was Daniel Vitiello, wasn't it, Mac? Yeah. Darwin Nunez yeah, got a six point five for scoring four goals in preseason. I think that was what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like preseason matters a lot less, but we are yeah. quite harsh on these on these rankings okay. on these ratings. So don't don't be afraid to be harsh, even though it was a great performance. Okay, three out of t- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's gonna really like, screw up the averages. Yeah, just the averages. I'll give him like a I'll give him like a seven point six. Okay, nice. Oh, so okay. now you've really you you've gone and made my life great. So now I have to use the calculator to yeah. show everyone that I'm really good at math again, yeah. just to make sure that they know. Like I can definitely do all of this in my head as I'm trying to talk really slow while I get this. Okay, uh, seven point eight. There we go. I, there it is. That that's the average. I did that all in my head. Nice. No right, calculator. I just used the calculator to see the numbers to sort of line there's, it up. There's there's one thing when we were talking about Arsenal, I thought might have gotten brought up. I, what? I don't. I don't think we can possibly end the episode without talking about this. Do you see? See the the. the wait, 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 Paul. Before you say it, before you say it, is this one? Is this something you want to end the episode on? It's the Amazon documentary. Okay. Well. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. first, let's do predictions, and then end it on Amazon documentary. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Okay. So predictions. We have just. We'll we'll fly through these. Last yeah. week, I went one and two. Last week, Mac went two and one. Now I am eight and seven. Mac, you are. Seven and eight, I believe. Okay, we're getting close. It's close yeah, for season are. four, but Mac is still winning on a landslide compared to me for all time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and slowly uh, but surely, though. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm tooting my horn, chugging my way back up to the yeah, top. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, we'll make it back up there. But the three games that we're predicting for this week are PSV versus AS Monaco, Arsenal versus Leicester City, and Chelsea versus Tottenham. Starting with the first one, I said PSV versus AS Monaco. Rapid fire, Paul. What do you think? Champions League, it must be. Yeah, yeah Champions, Champions League qualifier. League qualifier yeah. Ooh, who's at home? PSV? Yes. 1-1. One, one. We'll go with that. You're going to draw? Ooh, draw. Yeah. Okay. okay, Mac? Uh, I'm going to go with a PSV win, and I'm mm. going to go with a Xavi Simmons uh, uh, game-winning goal because <laughs> 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 of his new transfer <laughs> to PSV. Dude, it's class. Yeah. It's what you it's love class. to see. It's class. What you absolutely love to see. Yeah. I'm going with an AS Monaco win. Trying to, you know, wow. change the tides here. Be a bit okay. different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Going and season three, Lenny, on this one. You know, I feel nice. it. I really nice. feel it. Okay. Second and one. It would not be an Arsenal episode without predicting the next Arsenal match um, at home versus Leicester City. 
Leo, do you want to go and we can I go got it, bro. order? Yeah. I got it. I'm going to Arsenal. I, I just, I believe in the boys. I believe in Paul. It's, it's our episode with Paul. So you can't do him. You can't yeah. do him dirty on this one. And I I'm love what also, they're doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, also going with an Arsenal win. Um, nice. Even, even if I didn't think Arsenal were going to win, I'd pick us to win on this. Wow. So I have to, <laughs> yeah. have to go with Arsenal. Everyone believes. Yeah. But, Everyone but I, believes. I, actually, I actually do think we'll, we'll win this game. Mm. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I, agree. Think, I think it's you guys are the favorites with yeah, how you guys sure. have looked in preseason and start of season. I mm-hmm. have no doubt in yeah. my mind that you'll be able to win that game. The last one, Chelsea versus Tottenham. Probably the biggest game in regards to team quality on both sides. Don't want to mug off Arsenal too much, so I, I say the both sides. Yeah. Um, but uh, Chelsea versus Tottenham, what are we thinking? Um, I'll go first. I'm going to go with a draw here. I think Tottenham are the better team than Chelsea, but Chelsea at home might just tip it a little bit more towards the home team, but I think Tottenham are good enough to get a result out of Stamford Bridge. Nice, nice. Paul? This is, this is a tough one, you know. Um I don't like picking Spurs to win, but <laughs> looking looking at how Chelsea played today, I wasn't entirely impressed. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take a bullet and pick Spurs to win this game. Wow! Wow! There's no way. Yeah, I think this guy he he's really going against what his club would tell I, him I, to do. No, yes. I was not not impressed by Chelsea at all. No. Yeah, I mean, well, I, not, I can't say I was like, either. It's not like I'm a huge Chelsea fan either. Like I, I ideally I'd want both teams to lose, but like that's not possible. <laughs> it's it's fair, yeah. <laughs> you could have gone with a draw. Mm, I I don't think so. I think I think Chelsea are too poor. <laughs> Do you think you guys will be able to beat Tottenham? Uh, like, seriously would, speaking, if I was to guess, I would say it's pretty. It pretty much the same thing happens every season. We 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 win at home, they win when they're yeah. Home. yeah. Maybe okay, yeah. maybe maybe a draw thrown in there somewhere, but. I don't see I don't see us losing at home and I don't really see us winning away either. Just Yeah. I mean it makes sense. It makes sense. Hundred percent. I'm going with a Chelsea win on this one. You know, go against okay. the tides. Season three money is here to stay. Nice. Unless nice. it needs to go <laughs> next episode when I realize <laughs> that I'm yeah. I'm losing again. But yeah, yeah, we'll see how those predictions pan out. Now, Paul. Now. We need to talk I'm about the documentary, what everyone <laughs> has been waiting for. What did you think of All or Nothing, Arsenal? I, wait, how many? Because there's three episodes there's out, three right? episodes. I guess how many episodes I'm in? Zero. I watched Matt? the first one. Everyone that's, on the podcast knows. I'm just here to give, give comments about what you guys are saying because <laughs> I can't watch a series to save my life. Yeah. I I really enjoyed the first episode. Obviously, it's the worst part of your season. Um, but I think Amazon just does like a really good job with those documentaries. Um I Sokka like it's actually gonna be fun because all your players are so young this season that I feel like the banter's gonna be there. Where yeah. when it was like Tottenham and Man City, it was a more mature squad, I feel like. Mm-hmm. So it, it's gonna be interesting. And I heard Arteta gets like pretty Pretty, he has a bit of a meltdown at some points in the season and starts fighting and stuff. So it'll be entertaining, at least. I, I, watched, I watched all three of them yesterday, of course. Nice. Um, <laughs> of course, like, even, even though it's like our lowest point in the season, like, it's still fascinating to see what it's like behind the scenes. Yeah. Like, it's not like, like I know, I know we, get, we lost to Brentford and got smashed by City and Chelsea and Liverpool. 
like it doesn't really like it's not it's not like it like hurts to watch that like mm-hmm. it's just it's just fascinating and it's just because i'm a because i'm an arsenal fan myself it's just like it's completely different like seeing all seeing all the players i love like watching watching the spurs game like there's some things that like there's some things you learn about that like you see like what arteta does some of it it's it's interesting i'm, I'm not going to spoil too much but he's got some some interesting like ways of motivating players and and ways of of coaching certain things yeah. it's just like what you'd you'd never expect like you have you watched what was the game it got to did it get to the norwich game um yes it ended right before the north london derby okay so with the norwich game he was talking about how like he like had like the heart disease as a kid and like almost oh yeah with the like, whiteboard yeah he was like yeah. writing stuff down yeah yeah it's like can you can you imagine like back in like 2019 if if Brad Fuel did that for our MTA team money? <laughs> I love how much press you're giving Brad Fuel on YouTube. Man's gonna have a whole business going on after this. <laughs> I, I, I do remember Greg, Brad, Brad Fuel being mentioned in the same in the same episode of the podcast. Who would who would have thought? Yeah, <laughs> crazy. It's never happened before. No, but like 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 seriously though, like I mean, people can relate. Like a youth coach. Yeah, like that's Brad Fuel like, was a youth coach. Yeah, like. But like with the Arteta thing, it's like you kind of I kind of think like you imagine like when you've got all these professional players and professional managers playing at the highest level that like what like you'll see in those dressing rooms is just like completely like unheard of. And you just be like utterly blown away. But like they're all human beings above that. Like they all yeah. like connect to the same things like we'll be like I'll be motivated by the same things that Bukao Saka will be motivated by, if that makes sense. Like. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I, I, I think really, that's yeah. a human way to like connect people, especially with how I think I get caught up in it a lot. And and doing interviews with with pros and other people in the industry has probably helped with it. But I think I get caught up in it a lot. I, I bet you do, Mac, and you, Paul. But we oftentimes think that these pros or, or high level players aren't really human, and we don't get a chance to really connect to them. So seeing that they are like seeing what drives them is how is the same thing that might drive us seeing, you know, how, how their brains, how their personalities are, you know, it's cool because we get to feel that really human connection to those people. And I know I'm kind of getting deep now for anyone who doesn't want that, (laughs) but I mean, I think it's one of the, the coolest parts about those documentaries if I were to watch them because, <laughs> because you get to feel that connection. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to watching it. Paul, I saw this one, like it was a TikTok or real or something from the all or nothing. And it was like Arteta drawing like really weird stuff on the whiteboard. Yeah. You've mm-hmm. watched all of them. Is that actually happen? It does happen. And it it's does? Like, yeah. Like at first it's one of those things where it's like, you you don't really like know like what's like you're thinking like oh what's this guy doing what but, is like, he doing? <laughs> like then like then like as you as he gets into it you're like oh that, that like makes sense and like you get it and it like it like clicks with you and it'll be like a motivator thing like there's i'm not i'm not going to spoil it for you mac or lenny if you decide to watch it yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's before the before the north london derby something like something like that happens hmm but he was using like really weird images and yeah, stuff. Yeah, there was, was like using... the that was that was like the Norwich one. Like he is like he was like using uh, a graph and yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just really strange. Yeah, it's completely interesting, but like it, it like works. Like we're we're improving under him as a manager. So. No, it's well, yeah, true, yeah, I mean we we I touched think, on that earlier. I think another thing you talked about how like the humanizing aspect of seeing what they're like in the dressing room. I think another thing they talk about is like 
the pressure from the fans, specifically at a club like Arsenal and specifically in the state that they were in in that first episode, we lost three games on the trot. People were saying, Arteta out, need a new manager, yada, yada, yada. But like, you realize that like, they're, they're human beings. Like if you, if you're, if you see like abuse on your Twitter, like it's still, it's still going to hurt. And you have to, you have to learn like how to either not, either not look at it or even if you do look at it, just zone it out and keep yeah. going. Yeah. You'd have to think that's so hard because, you know, you get to a place in your career where you're, you're finally able to, to feel like you're achieving something. People are paying attention to what you're doing. And then suddenly you realize, you know, you've been a consumer of this your whole life. You've looked up to these people that are talked about online your whole life. And now you have to shut it out. It's got to mm. be so difficult because mm. it's it's one it's definitely one of the motivators. You get to feel like you finally made it to that level. And as soon as you get there, it would be like if, if you really wanted to play in front of fans and you thought that experience was so cool. And then you get there and you're, they're like, here's these goggles. When you play, you can't see any of the fans. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's crazy yeah. how that works. But I mean, it's the life of being a professional yeah. footballer. People don't understand the roller coaster. Yeah, especially, especially with someone like Bukayo Saka after after the Euros final. We all know what happened following that. Yeah. Like I remember he was talking about in the documentary. He was like, it was always it was always my dream to play for Arsenal. And he's like, I'm living my dream and I and I love every minute of it. But exactly like, what you don't grow up thinking of is that aspect of it when you make a mistake and then you've got all all the keyboard warriors on Twitter and Instagram saying everything under the sun about you. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy, dude. It is mad. That's where we got to leave the podcast off. I think it's a good way to end, you know, just mm-hmm. talking about some of the stuff that, that is more deep related mm-hmm. to Arsenal and, and the whole footballing world. I think that was a good way to end. Thank you so much, Paul, for coming on to the podcast. Always, always a pleasure to come on. Dude, it was yes. so fun talking to you. I'm, I know the, the people watching will also think the same. It was definitely so fun listening to you. For them, it was a great chat. I really enjoyed it, especially hearing what you had to say about Arsenal, you know, coming from someone who pays mm. a lot more attention to everything that's going on within the club than I do. So thank you for that. Thanks to everyone listening who listened through the episode. We hope you enjoyed. If you have any suggestions, any debates you want to hear, literally anything at all, DM us, shoot us an email, do whatever you want to get in touch with us, and we will try to respond to you and get it into an episode. Otherwise, just keep your eyes peeled. We have some really cool interviews on the way with different people and some other really cool episode ideas. So just be on the lookout for those. And until next week, peace.